Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Off Topic with Darren Wilson. My name is Darren and I'm your host. Now this is part one of my conversation with my good friend Candace Keita. She is a very talented actress, model, magazine editor, a talk show host, a writer, a prankster. Yes, she has a great story about pulling pranks with none other than Mel Gibson. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, Candace. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Darren. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. And thank you for inviting me into your lovely home. And here we are the day before Thanksgiving, and you were so kind to start driving at 5 a.m. and be here by 7, so this is very early. <laughs> I was hoping holiday light traffic started early, but unfortunately it did not. Oh, it was terrible on the way up. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. Well, you didn't go by the airport, that's why. No, I took uh, I took the 5 to the 101 this oh, time. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's what I was watching the news this morning, and they said that um, between 2.30 and 3.30 is the basically the busiest traffic of the year, which is the pre-Thanksgiving crunch or something. They just they just showed it. Wonderful. So I'm expecting probably a three-hour tour home. <laughs> it's been worse. My record is four hours. To get back? Yeah, there was an accident one day, and I chose not to use GPS. So oh, I no. suffered. My record, I want to tell you, between here and San Clemente was five hours. That could have been worse. That was the one time that I, I, I couldn't believe how long it took to get from one place to the other. You're like, why didn't I just go to Vegas? I know, seriously, five hours. or You could almost make it to San Francisco. And we are in L.A. right now, and I do live in Orange County. So that's, yeah, that's, why. that's the drive we're talking about. And I appreciate the fact that you drove up today. Gladly. Again, I, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, no, I'm so excited because you called yesterday and I was like, I don't know if we have enough time. It's the day before Thanksgiving. And you're like, no. I said, do you mind coming super early? And you're like, no, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, okay. And sure enough, I texted you. And I was like, where are you? He goes, I just parked. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm out front, right outside your door. Let me I in. I know. It's like amazing. I need my coffee. I know. I want to hang out with the turtles. <gasps> Tortoises. Tortoises. Tortoises Sorry. and lizards. What and is the frog. difference? Um, a tortoise is a land reptile, and turtles are in the water. Okay. So, and I've got like aquatic frogs that you can see there, and lizards, and tortoises. I don't know why. I just do. It's weird. I don't I'll, have kids. I'll post one on my Instagram account. Oh, cool. So you okay, can all yeah. see it. And they have outfits sometimes. I put them in funny outfits, although I don't Wait, know where they are right now. you dress up your pumpkins. shelled Yeah, you dress pets. the shell up. So you have like a pumpkin <laughs> outfit for Halloween. Easter egg for Easter, birthday cake. The small guy becomes a cupcake with a candle, and the other guy is a birthday cake. I'm not joking. And they're knitted, and they're actually called tortoise cozies. And if you look online, there's a whole thing. of the, the Reptile people are weird, weird anyways, and there's this whole underground <laughs> subculture. They have these cons where several times turtle throughout con? the year. Uh, they should do a turtle con, but they don't. It's their repticon is one, and they're these ginormous... Uh, I'm not joking, conventions where people go to buy reptiles and reptile stuff. And so I want to go, but I don't want to wait in the lines because they're so popular. There's this huge subculture. The lines move people. really slow. Da-da-da. <laughs> 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 that one was too easy. Thank you. That's Thank funny. You for the setup. <laughs> and I'll be playing in Vegas. And yeah. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> so yeah, so they, they, um, people love them. And, and I don't know why I like them so much. I just do. Well, as somebody in the entertainment business, they're easy to have as a pet. And they're really clean. That's another thing. They're super, super clean. You probably don't know that, but they're like one of the cleanest animals. The well, lizard's in I the bed that. with me. You know, he's so clean. 
I know it sounds crazy. The tortoise has been in the bed. So <laughs> they watch Netflix. Well, I'm getting closer to having heard it all. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay, funny. let's talk about uh, how you got to L.A. Because, well, you were born in L.A., but you left. Yeah, I left when I was super young. I left when I was two. And I moved to London with my family. And then I moved to Antwerp in Belgium with my family. And then we located to Texas. So most of my life was in Texas. And then I came out here to be an actor. And that's kind of around where you and I met. Because you and I have known each other, I mean, it sounds crazy, 26 years almost. Yeah, 1995. Uh, we in, yeah, we met in 1995 and on Mass Rider. And we worked together for two years. And that was the second year that I was there, that, that I've been to California. So and on that show, you had one of the lead roles. Your character's name was? Barbara. What was your last name? Stewart. Barbara Stewart. And I was so lucky because to have gotten a series so early, I didn't know that that was abnormal. So it was almost like after the series where I really realized how challenging being an actor was because I didn't know. I got here and auditioned and got a job that lasted two years, you know. And then after that was challenging because I was like, oh, you don't get a job that easy? You just don't jump from another series to another series, <laughs> you know? That's so, a perfect world. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, it was easy. Oh, I don't have anything to worry about. You know, 26 years later is when I've really seen the challenges, you know, mm -hmm. of really being in the entertainment industry and riding those, you know, great waves of success and then these dearths of nothing is going on. So. Well, let's talk about Masked Rider a little bit. First of all, that was one of the, they kind of set the standard for diversity in families. Yeah, it was Fox TV's first multiracial family. So going back now, it seems kind of common, but going back that, to the you know 90s the mom was asian the dad was caucasian they had one adopted son who was african-american and a daughter who was also adopted who was caucasian and then of course somebody who was an alien, an alien. You know? so but it was it was diversified on purpose and i thought it was great because it just showed um the family played such a huge part in that show because it was always about being together and positivity yes always the beginning of the show showed the positive elements of everybody being in a family. doesn't matter what race you are. It's about love. And then they always wrapped it up at the end that way. Yes, they did. They, yeah. were, they were very good at that. Mm -hmm. And I think they, it, was a, it was an intentional thing. And, and um, the parents always listened to the kids and treated them with respect. And, it, and it, I think it was, a, um, it was a novel thing probably at that time. Right. And it's a bummer that the show didn't last longer just no, for that reason alone. Yeah. Not that you were one of the leading characters. It would have been a nice <laughs> to have a long running show it would for be you. Not, yeah. We didn't, we went 40 episodes, three seasons and 40 episodes, which, but Beetleborgs went a lot further than us and, and Power Rangers went a lot further than us. Power Rangers is still going. Aren't yeah. They? Power Rangers is still going, but we were at that time period of like Sweet Valley High and VR Troopers and we all kind of almost went the same amount of time. You know what I mean? It was kind of expected. And then after that, after us, Beetleborgs came in. Right. And it was all on Fox Kids. Right. All on Fox Kids uh, in the morning. But it was. It was about positivity and just, you know, um, what really constitutes a family. It's not necessarily that you were born into it. It's that people caring about each other. What were some of your most fun episodes that you got to do some really cool stuff? The Christmas episode was awesome because it was so different we had a different crew because it was a last minute choice to do it. And it was very frustrating. But it some of the most uh, real moments with TJ 
and David, they were almost like uh, a father and son in mm-hmm. real life in those scenes. That they were really themselves, and I can tell because you can, you know, somebody for two years, you know, the real person versus the actor. Right. And I could tell that when the, they were playing those scenes, they were really playing it as themselves, you know. And that that was really cool to see that. And I think that episode can be found on YouTube. Yeah, you can see it now on YouTube. I kind of watch it every Christmas just because okay. it's there, you know. So, but I mean, I remember just fun stuff, not on the set. Like every day you and I had lunch, we would always have lunch together and, you know, everybody would just joke around all day and we would have 10 to 12 hour days minimum. And I remember the dance episode, we had 17 hour days because we had to work all day and then go to dance class to learn dance sequences like the jitterbug and all that Mm -hmm. at nighttime to get ready for the next day. So, you know, that was, you know, those were the days. I was the main character's photo double and stand-in on that show. Yeah. So I got to learn a little bit of dancing, but fortunately I didn't have to make fun of myself and get laughed at. And you were there with us every single day. Yes, I was. Seriously. That was was a good time. That was, those were some, some good times. They Um, really were. And you look the same. That's what always blows me away is people change over the years. You and Michi Yamoto, who was the head stunt guy for The Masked Rider, who is a very well-known stunt guy today, both of you guys have not changed at all. Well, like, I Michi have a looks couple exactly. gray hairs. Few, but, you know, everybody. Everybody does. I actually painted them in. They're <laughs> not really gray. <laughs> Just to make it look like you've <laughs> aged a little bit. You're really a vampire. <laughs> okay, so... 40 episodes, two two seasons, about two years it took to. It was for three that show. seasons. Yeah, it was one season shot by itself, and then two and three were shot together. So uh, there was a hiatus between the first and the second. So it's 40 episodes, but it was really three, three seasons. seasons. Okay. Yeah, but it's confusing because two and three were shot with no break. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So where did you go after? Mask Rider. After did you do? that, as soon as I got off the show, I, I flew to New York to see my friend for two weeks because I had never had a break. And so I went to New York and, and sat at the base of the World Trade Center before it, you know, blew up and, uh, and, and just kind of enjoyed living life again because we were on the set. You know, I would get up at 420 every morning, which I do today, too, which is ironic. But I'd be at the studios in Valencia, the first one in the chair at 5 a.m., 530 a.m., uh, hair and makeup because the kids have priority because of the Coogan law. Right. So they would make the adults, you know, get dressed and what they say, hang around and wait. <laughs> hurry up and wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait um, because the kids have to have a certain amount of time in and out and the show was about kids. So um, David and I had to do a lot of waiting. So for the first time, I was kind of free. So I remember going to the the Metropolitan, you know, Museum of Art and the MoMA and looking around and kind of getting back into having a regular life. Because I remember they said that when you start a series, it's like a marathon. Right. And it was like a marathon. And then finally to have your own kind of forget, you're forgetting who you are and then you got to stop and remember who you are again. And you were in a majority of the scenes in every episode. I never was not there. They were like, when I first got the job, they're like, oh, maybe you can still audition. And it ended up being I was there, you know, every single day. And then uh, dialogue replacement on Saturdays. So oh, they made you do ADR on yeah, Saturdays? Yeah, Saturdays I'd go to Westwood and do ADR. So it was like the only day I had off to really learn lines and do whatever was Sunday. So I never stopped, you know. So I never had food in the fridge because there was no reason to. Because right. I was never home. Eat on set, too. Yeah, we would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner on set. So I never, I would have an empty refrigerator at home. There was no reason to have anything. So, Which, which is a blessing in itself. Yeah. And I, I, we just, it was like a family, you know. 
So we miss those days. I'm, we're still in contact with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's one of those things with working on a show and being there every day, you make some great friends and lifelong friendships. And mm-hmm. obviously it's been 1995. It's been 20 something years. I mean, I saw Rhiannon this week. I talked to David all the time. The director, Worth Keeter, I still talk to, you know, AJ, who played um, the, the Albie, the young boy. I talk to he and his family all the time. He's like a rapper now. And, you know, it just never stops. Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. It is. So. It is amazing. An amazing thing to be on a on a show like that. And it was a hit show back then. It was back then. Yeah, it was. It would win in its um, rating for its time slot all the time. So what was your acting experience before you got that role? I had done very few roles and I came out here um, uh, to pursue acting and then went to that audition. And I, in a way, it was good that I didn't know because I had auditioned five times for that role to finally get to network was the fifth time. But I was so naive. I didn't understand that that was a big deal. So I wasn't stressed. You know what I mean? Ignorance is bliss. And so I didn't know. And so then when I got it, I still didn't think it was that big of a deal and I didn't understand. So in a way, it was really good to have it right off the bat. And I've gone to network for other shows and have not gotten them since then. So I was, I guess, lucky. I had not had that much acting experience before I got that show. I learned on the show. And the director right. said that that's the best place you get paid to show up every day and go to acting school. Exactly. Exactly. It's like film school and the acting class and getting paid to do it. Yeah, exactly. 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, banana out, you know, stand on the half apple, you know, hit that mark. Don't hit, get into somebody else's light. There's so many technical things that go on that people don't know actors are doing, you know, right. uh, on the camera. They think they're just doing lines, but they're really not. Uh, and all that stuff I learned on set. So it, it was invaluable. Stuff that you can't learn in acting class. No, because you have to be on set. You have to experience it and do it and take direction well. You know, and also I learned what is everybody else's job on set. There's 50 people that are watching. The, the actors look like they're in a room by themselves. There's 50 people on set making all this happen. If not more. Right. <laughs> Including producers, you know, UPMs. I mean, just people that are in the office making it all happen too. People have no idea. Right. Yeah. And so I learned all of that um, being on that show for that long. I learned how uh, a set and a show works all together, everybody. And I was just one small piece of a huge, one little component of a huge thing. There's literally hundreds of people per episode that, that make it happen. Oh, yeah. People have no idea. And then, you know, the execs, you know, the people that are making all the decisions, you know, at Fox. And it, it trickles down to us, you know, the people have no, and then the people that are in post, you know, and editing and sound and, you know, sweetening stuff, like the people have no clue. Yeah. And that's not even touching on what it takes to get the footage to even make that show. Yeah. Cause they had to get some of the, the, um, footage from Japan. Mm-hmm. We would have a, a small segment of that and then we build the show around that and there's writers, you know, and producers. And I just like it, People have no idea when we would walk into Sound Stages One and Two, the fully working, you know, offices that we had and, you know, props and wardrobe and hair and makeup. And, you know, it was a huge thing. It really is amazing. Yeah. And you and I were very, very lucky to have worked for two years there. I, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I loved being on that set every day, looked forward to getting up at four in the morning and and the long days, and it was it was a big, big learning experience for me as well. Mm-hmm. Both of us, because we were both so young. 
And I got to do everything first as the stand-in. I know. And you <laughs> read the lines and everything. Like you acted through everything. Because I remember you had your sides and you acted through every scene. It was. It was like getting paid to go to acting class. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of footage of my shoulders and the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> Something I can tell my kids if I ever have any one day. That's true. Or your reptiles. Reptiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to look into becoming a reptile pet owner. Yeah. Reptile parent. So what was your next acting job after Masked Rider? I think the very next job I got was a commercial for, I don't know why I even remember this, um, FX, the station, the network. Mm-hmm. And I was a cheerleader on a uh, uh, trampoline. And the reason why I remember is because uh, we were on the trampoline all day. Uh, and then there was a stunt coordinator there. And one of the girls, there were only three of us. And this one y- nice uh, girl, the very last jump in the very last day, she jumped up and she came down on the side of the trampoline and she broke her ankle. I'll never forget that because it was the very last thing that she was doing at the end of the day. And she ended up breaking her ankle and that she was incapacitated for a super long amount of time. So that was the next job I got. And I watched this poor girl, you know, break her ankle on set. Funny. (laughs) You asked. That's what happened right after. And I was like, oh, my goodness. The stories we have. Oh, I know. I know. It's crazy. Okay, so that brings us into the 2000s. Yeah. Goodness. Still so long ago. I know, but like yesterday at the same time. Now, looking at your IMDb page, which is getting quite extensive, uh, you've got some pretty pretty big people you worked with. I'm seeing Pamela Anderson, Billy Bob Thornton, Adam Sandler, Mel Gibson. Yeah, my my favorite though was Hugh Laurie because I guest starred on House and and I had watched him for the longest time on um, Wooster and Jeeves and uh, Black Adder because uh, you know I grew up in London and um, to work with him was bigger to me than working with anybody else. I know that sounds strange. I I just had the best time with him. I love that show. Yeah, Hugh, I Hugh never Laurie's saw House. Awesome. Really? I, yeah, I'd never seen it, and I booked it, and then we got to spend the week together, and uh, he would box on set in between, and he's like the tallest person. He's like, I think, six foot five or six foot six, tallest person on the set, and that was more exciting to me than working with anybody else, because I was like, I got to work with, you know, uh, the Prince Regent from Black Adder. <laughs> That's how I thought of it. <laughs> I was so excited. What episode were you on? So, the one... Um, you know, it was a controversial episode, too. It was when, uh, you could see it on YouTube. I get shot with an arrow, with a prosthetic arrow, and I get shot in the chest, and uh, blood comes out. It was actually a ball under my armpit, and I would squish my arm down. It would release the blood, mm-hmm. and I had a white shirt on, and then it went everywhere. And we do it in front of this guy who freaks out because I get killed in a um, hotel room. But then it was a trick arrow. And so, uh, who's the guy... What's his name? He was in, um, what's that movie with Robin Williams, uh, Dead Poets Society? Mm-hmm. That guy's in my scene, too. What's his name? Ethan Hawke? No. I can't remember. Anyways, he was there, too. But, uh, but anyway, you could see it on YouTube, um, and it's funny. And he thought, I remember when we did it, and we did it a couple times, and um, 
uh, Hugh Laurie would be like, oh my God, that looks so great. I can't believe we'd both be jumping in, up and down like kids after each take because I would like die on the floor, this horrible dramatic death. And both of us <laughs> were like children and we would be jumping up and down and so excited that, you know, that, that blood thing actually worked. It's, it's, like, it's like having fun. It's, it's like playing as children a lot of times on set. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, and Getting Mel Gibson and I were the same way. We would, we would prank, the, uh, prank the crew all the time. Ah, and he'd I be, did read about that prank you guys pulled. Mel Gibson was quite the prankster, wasn't he? He always liked to play, prank the crew, and he would always say, we're going to do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And be like, no, no, at lunchtime, you're going to go into makeup and wardrobe, uh, and they're going to um, put a bunch of fake hair. Is this hair. The, the chest hair one? Yeah, they're going to put nice. fake chest hair all over you, and then you're going to wear it, and then when you go back in the hot tub after lunch, uh, take off the robe and get into the hot tub as though you don't know you have chest hair and act <laughs> as if it's not on you. And I said, what? And he goes, so that's what you're going to do at lunch. And I said, okay. So This I put is on, Mel telling you this. Mel's telling me this. So then at lunch, I went and got all this chest hair put on my body. And then I got into the hot tub after lunch and everybody freaked out because they, I acted as if it was not a big deal. And people's mouths dropped to the floor. That's rad. Were they rolling? So Yeah, they were rolling, I think. And he, he was just like, he couldn't, like, he couldn't stop making jokes. He's the nicest person. I know that all that stuff happened, but... What he, was this show? What's the uh, name of the show? Complete Savages. And this is network on, uh, TV for, yeah, ABC. for Mel. Yeah, it was the only time he was on network, network TV. And uh, we did a season together. And um, he, he was really the nicest person. I, I don't know why they say he's racist, because I don't believe he is. Because I'm not white. And, and he was responsible for getting me back on the show and was the nicest person to me. And we joked all the time, back and forth, back and forth. And he always asked my opinion all the time. Tell us how he was responsible. Yeah, because I was supposed to go on the show once and I died. Okay. And then um, the casting directors, Bobby, Barbie Block and Sally Steiner, said that he was jumping up and down on the chairs, standing on the chairs, jumping up and down like a trampoline saying, we have to have her back, we have to have her back. And they were like, well, she died on the show. And he goes, we're going to make her like Kenny in South Park and she'll get killed in every episode, but we have to have her back. So he was responsible for bringing me back the whole season, not anybody else. And he'd be like, well, what about this? You can go get killed with a, we'll dip you in honey and put you in the ground and you can get killed by a bunch of picnic ants. Like he'd say all this crazy stuff <laughs> or you'll, get, you'll be a snow bunny in a bikini on skis and get killed on the ski slopes. Like he think he go. What do you think of this? This is what we'll do next week. Like all this crazy stuff. So smart and so quick witted and so fast. And he gets so much done. He does have quite the resume now. So yeah, the, <laughs> exactly the energy that he has. I've mm -hmm. just never seen I've, his energy is unmatched. I have a new respect for Mel Gibson now. Yeah, he's amazing. And he would at the end of the day, he would always seek me out and say, um, uh, uh, "You know, we're partners in crime, don't you?" Like he would always say that, and he actually went. He went on the Tonight Show and talked about me. To, no kidding. No, to uh, what's his name, Jay Leno. So he just, you know, he was really supportive. Adam Sandler's been super supportive too. I've had a lot of people that have been super supportive uh, in my career, and I, I, gosh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my hangout with Candace. Part two will be coming out soon. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to get new episodes and also hear past episodes. And check out the show notes for links to Candace's social media and IMDb page. Thank you to Mike Roy and his band Go Casual for providing the music. And until next time, I'm Darren Wilson. Happy holidays. 
talk to you soon.